and then it works. Um, man, it's, uh, it's exciting to be here this morning. I, I'm uh, excited you came back after last week. Um, so there's that. Uh, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been in, in a series called Life 2.0. Uh, we started this series with, uh, with the thought, I have come that uh, you might have life and have it to the full, have it in abundance. Um, for some reason, Kimmy, my, my, oh, Kimmy's not back there, whoever's back there. It's not, it's not connecting, I'm going to let you guys control it this morning, I'll do a point. Beth and Kimmy back there. Oh, Beth ducked down, she's hiding down below now. Thank you, Beth, for all you do back there. Um, we started off this series, uh, Life 2.0, talking about when Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, have life to the full. That's, that's Life 2.0. That's something greater than just the mundane, just the Mondays. Well, I guess that's life. There's something more in store for us. Our inheritance is not that we should live the mundane, that we have to just suffer through life, but that God, what God gave us now for us to begin, what he equipped us with in the here and now to be able to live out our life is an abundant life. Now, we come to Christ, we find salvation. Salvation is free, but, but there's something about being able to, to come to a point, a realization of who he is in your life, that all of a sudden it, it changes you. It, it creates something different, a passion inside of you, and you start to walk in, start to step in something different than just the normal, something different than just the average. It's life 2.0. Last week we talked about the key to life 2.0, or two weeks ago, we talked about the key to Life 2.0 comes through a heart of generosity. We looked at a couple scriptures where Christ said, freely you have received, now freely give. We also looked at the scripture where he says, give, open-ended, give, and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be given unto you the measure at which you give. So we hear these things and we know that the step to be able to walk in abundance is a heart of generosity. Last week, we, uh, we broke it down. I call it, I call it the, the second half of the first week. It was, it was 1A, B. It was 1B. And we talked about specifically the tithe, what it means, what it is, and, and how it's important for our lives. Not, not that I need it, not that the church needs it, not even that God needs it, but so much more importantly that we as a people need to operate in the gift to be able to walk in life 2.0. Uh, now, I, again, I, I said this and I want to reiterate because I think it, there's some people that, that uh, start to question. I, I'm, when I'm talking about walking in his abundance, what I'm talking about is not works salvation. Salvation is given to all by grace through faith alone in Christ. Salvation is a gift. It's free to all of us. But there's something about that change, that renewed life, not just saved, but, but renewed to the point that we desire to emulate Christ. That's what Christian means. It literally means a follower of Christ. Disciples were just followers of Christ. They wanted to emulate. They wanted to, to copy the example of the inheritance, what was being passed on to them. So the same in us, what's being taught to us, what's being given to us, equipping us today for tomorrow that's what a Christian is. It's about stepping into something else. It's about stepping into abundant life, life to the full, life 2.0. Today, today I want to talk about a heart to serve. Um, but more so, the power behind a heart to serve. 
We have, uh, within this church, we're, we're blessed, blessed beyond measure. We have a group of people here that loves to serve. People step up, come out. Last week, Brandon talked about the, the potluck. Last week, Sunday night, we had 200 plus people come out that went home and prepped a meal or went down the road and bought a meal, whichever. They, they served by bringing a meal, coming and just enjoying time together. We have people in this church, over, over 120 plus volunteers showed up to help out with VBS. Kids' lives were changed for eternity because you guys have a heart to serve. I think society as a whole, in this millennium, in this generation, in this era as a whole, there's, there's already the, the, the idea of serving. They like to get behind a cause. But why? Is it because it makes us feel better about ourselves? Or, or is it because, well, it's the right thing to do to help the less fortunate or to help others out? I don't believe it's enough that we serve. I think it's so much more important that we understand why we serve. Why do we serve? Understanding why. I believe that understanding the whys of why we serve equips us, draws us closer in our walk with Christ. It truly leads us into life 2.0. So today, I, that's what I want to talk about, why we serve. I'm going to be reading out of a passage today in uh, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. I, I now have control, thank you. It jumps back up. So in John chapter 13, this, this chapter, it's such a beautiful moment as you look through Scripture. This chapter is, is the moment that Jesus has with his loved ones, with his disciples. It's this moment right before he's going to the cross, right before he's going to judgment. He's walking into this dinner, this final meal, knowing that this is his final meal. This is the moment he, I can't even imagine the rush of emotions that are in his head. Later on, we read when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane that he actually sweats so much that he actually sweats blood. Uh, the emotion that, that, that was on him, I, I, I mean, we joke about, okay, you know, if you, only, if you knew you only had so much time to live, what would you do? Skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, 2.7 seconds. Here's Jesus in his final moments. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and this is his, his last second to, to, to just give to his disciples that very last bit that they need. We pick up in verse 1. It says this. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew his time had come. So Jesus totally understands. He totally knows what's going on, what's about to happen. He knew that his time had come for him to leave the world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The full extent of his love. This, this section literally translates as his, his eternal love also translates as his abundant love. Abundance. Life abundantly. This here, he now wants to give them, he wants to show them the full extent, what it means to Walk in life 2.0. Verse 4 says, He got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. And then as he was drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them, 
He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet also? And Jesus said, you don't realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Look, Peter couldn't, couldn't get a hold. He couldn't grasp. He couldn't understand how Jesus had taken this position, how Jesus had stood up from the table and, and then stooped down to wash the feet of Peter. And in Peter's mind, something, something clicked. This didn't seem right. This is the Messiah. This is the king of kings. I, I, I'm nothing more than a, a disciple of this man. Why is he stooping down to wash my feet? And it just didn't, it didn't seem to, 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 to make sense in Peter's mind. But then Jesus says, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter, oh, it's like, well, man, then, then wash my hands, my head, my feet, wash me all, wash all of me. If this is what it is to, 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 to be a part of you, and, and man, I, I can't think of anything else. Wash me, wash me all. The Bible says that when he had finished washing their feet, in verse 12, it says he put on his clothes, returned to his place, speaking to them that he said, do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for, for that is what I am. But then he goes on and he says, now that I am your Lord and teacher and have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, Jesus is separating the difference between knowing something and, and, and doing something. You will be blessed if you do them. That's, that's life 2.0. That's abundance. That's life to the full if you do them. That's why we serve. Do you understand what I have done for you? He's telling us right there, do you understand this? Let me give you the why of what we're doing here. Now, real quick, I'm excited. Next week, uh, I want to wrap up this Life 2.0 series. And I wanna, I've been reading a book uh, by, by Jenison Franklin, Jenison Franklin, and uh, it's called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. When, when Christ talks about he showed them the full extent of his love. Man, I, I can't encourage not only yourself, but man, the people that are around you. Y'all need to be here next week to hear this. Love like you've never been hurt. I, I think it's, it's such a, an, an amazing concept that if you can grasp his love and what it means, it's, it's, it's amazing and it'll radically change your life. Coming back to this, do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. I have set an example, I have set the example, I have showed you, you should do as I have done for you. And now that you know these things, you will have life 2.0, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, the difference between knowledge and application is what Jesus is getting at. He said, look, it's great to know these things. 
You're aware of this example. You're aware that we should serve. You're aware that you want to help out the less fortunate. You're aware of them, but, but it's going to totally change your life when you start to actually practice, do these things. It's life 2.0. Some uh, quick interesting things, I, I think, about the context and the timing of all of this. So as they're walking into the upper room where they're going to have this meal, there had already been some, some contention uh, among the disciples. How many of you have ever been on a vacation with extended family? <laughs> so you know that after even just a few days of living with somebody else, of doing life with somebody else, people that you do love, you do, you question you do at that moment. The disciples have now done life for three years. <laughs> There's a little bit of contention going on. There's a little bit of rubbing the wrong way. A little bit of uh, ego, maybe even jealousy. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm the better disciple, right? I mean, Jesus spends more time with me than he does with the rest of you guys. In fact, I, I got to go to the, the mega meeting up on the mountaintop. I know you didn't get to go to that one. I'll have to tell you about it someday. Really? Really? Who are, who are you? There was all of a sudden this back and forth, shifting this, this positioning of, this, of the disciples. They got so upset with each other that, that there was bickering and arguing, Scripture talks about. And then, in the middle of all of this, Jesus walks into the upper room with full knowledge that this is his final meal, that this is it, that this is, this is his meal with his disciples, the ones that he's been teaching, the ones that he's been training. Have you ever walked into a room where, where you knew something was going on and you kind of walk in on the back end of it and you're like, oh. Uh. You walk in on your kids and they're sitting there fighting back and you walk in and you're just like, What's going on? Nothing. No, no. What's, what's going on? Right? Or you walk in on, uh, on two adults that are bickering back and forth. And there's just like the, they say you can cut the air like, like butter, like, like a knife through butter. Just that there's something in the air. That's, this is Jesus' final moment, and that's what he walks into. It's almost like all of the disciples had just walked by. He, he walked into this room, and, and, and all of the disciples, he, he notices immediately all of the disciples have walked by the basin and the towel. In this custom, in this era, well, it, was, it was customary, if you were hosting a dinner, that the, the host would make sure that all the guests' feet were washed, they were cleaned. They walked around in sandals all the time through the dirt. They didn't have nice cement, paved roads, anything like that. So, so their feet were dirty. And when they'd sit at a table, the tables were down low to the ground. They'd actually lay down, kind of lean on an arm. But their feet were then, you know, in the faces of somebody else laying down, leaning in. 
So it was customary, if you're going to dinner, the guest, I mean the, uh, the, uh, the, the, one, the host, would take the time to wash everybody's feet. Now, if you were affluent, if, you're, if, you, were, if you had some money, if you had some, uh, some, some you know, some uh, it, status, thank you, that's a good word that I couldn't think of. If you had status, you hired somebody else to do it. As if to show yourself as, as, well, you know, I don't have to wash your feet. I have somebody that does it for me. But again, the disciples had rented the upper room. There wasn't a host so much as they were the host. And, and as they walked into the upper room, there was almost this air with all this, with this bickering going on. There was almost this idea that they had walked through and said, well, that, that's not my job. That's somebody else's job. I, I mean, we know it's customary that your feet are supposed to be cleaned, but, but honestly, that, it should probably be Thomas. He's the doubter. He, this whole time, he's been doubting. We're going to let him wash feet tonight. Or maybe they walked in and thought, well, Peter, Peter, he's got this attitude all the time. He gets angry real quick. Man, he should probably, you know, go to, go to washing feet tonight. Or maybe it should be one of those disciples that nobody really knows about. You know, there's 12 of them. We know there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they wrote a book. Um, but those others, uh, I think Thaddeus or something and Bartholomew and, and maybe there was a bismuth. No, no, that was, a, that was an element in the scientific table. Um, so there's these names that, that we don't know. You're not as important as I am. You should wash the feet, not me. Jesus walks in and everybody's got dirty feet. His last meal before he goes to the cross and, and their pompous arrogance was prominent. So prominent that, 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 it, that it hung in the air even over the years of teaching that he had given them. Jesus steps up and says, guys, I'll do it. I'm going to show you the full extent of what love is. I'm going to show you Life 2.0. I'm going to be the example I'm going to serve. I think about the timing out of everything that, that Christ could do to exemplify his life. Out of everything that he could do to model life to his team, model love to his team. Remember, this is, these, these are the 11 that after the resurrection... It's on them to take the story. After the resurrection, after the Holy Spirit shows up, it's on them to tell the story, to go ye into all the world and tell the good news. It's on them to share the love of God to everybody in all the world. This is the last thing that Christ is realizing, okay, I've spent these years with you. I've modeled life for you, and here you are. You still don't get it. At my last night, at my last moment, you're still bickering over who's going to be number one. So as opposed to another teaching, as opposed to another story, as opposed to all these years of my trying to impart into you, let me show you one last time what it means. His final moments. I, going to the cross in hours, but he takes the time to give this example. This is what's on his mind. This is that, that final thing that I need to pass on to you to let them know what it's all about. Basically saying, look, if you don't get this, I don't know if you're going to get anything. 
Their understanding of serving right there, right here and now would lead them from the meal into serving in the garden in prayer. Jesus knew that they had to understand how to love, how to embrace, how to honor, and how to serve the house of God. Or they wouldn't be able to speak for him. If they didn't learn how to serve in the insignificant, in the small things, in the areas, the moments that nobody else wanted to, then how would he ever be able to trust them to serve with anything larger? He knew why we serve. He knew that ministry, that the cause of Christ goes forward through the heart of serving. He knew that if they didn't understand the heart of serving, that they couldn't walk in life 2.0. How can you ever be a decent husband, a decent wife, if you don't understand the power of serving? How can you be a godly example to a son or to a daughter if you don't understand the power of serving? How can you operate in leadership that's Christ-driven if you don't understand the passion to serve? How can you ever speak life? How can you ever volunteer? How can you be a part of a community group or or help people get connected to the cause of Christ if you don't understand what the cause of Christ is, the power of serving? And not because it looked good on a resume, not because it looked good on my application, not because it's the hip thing to do, not because it's the the in thing to do, but, but so much more importantly, because just like Peter said, Wash all of me then, God, my hands and my feet as well. You so want to be a part of what he does that you can't help but want to serve. Life 2.0 comes through serving others. I want to ask a a simple question that I think this whole chapter just, just kind of profoundly asks us. And that is, how is your heart to serve? Do you understand why we serve? Is your heart beating like Christ's for those around you, for other people? In John chapter 13 and verse 4, Jesus does a couple things that that I, I believe give us the idea of what it takes to serve and why we serve. Two quick things that I want to point out in the first one is The first thing in verse 4 it says he did is that he stood up from the table. To have a heart to serve, you have to be willing to stand up to get involved. He got up from the table. He didn't didn't stay back. He saw a need and, and he didn't say, well, let's pray about it. He saw a need and he didn't say, well, you know, we need to form the committee and talk about it. He didn't say, um, did you get the memo? Yeah. Um. Look, there's a time to sit at the table. There's a time for discussion. There's a time for prayer. But there's also a time to stand up from the table, to get involved with the hurting, to get involved with those that are going through life, through hell, through, through different things that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Jesus got up and he got involved. 
what he was willing to do, what he was showing is he was putting legs to love. I believe God is wanting all of us to do the same, to put legs to love that we have for others. That when we express our love, when we say that we love this city, when we say that we love our neighborhoods, when we say we love the people right here around us, that we're willing to put our legs to our love and get involved with even the hard things. Jesus did that. It takes that to have a heart to serve. The other thing he did after he stood up is he then stooped down. He stood up and then he stooped down. It says he took the towel, he wrapped it around himself, and he stooped down. He got low. This speaks of, of a humility, a humbling. Jesus humbled himself. He was, he was washing the very feet of the very disciples that would be running away from him in just hours. They wouldn't be able to stay awake with him in just hours. And right after that would very well just run out of fear away from him. Those very feet that would run in fear for him, he knew that, that after the cross, that, that after the resurrection, after grace, after mercy, those very same feet that ran away would eventually carry the gospel to the other ends of the earth. Christ saw beyond where they were at at that moment. <laughs> it's a phenomenal trait. To see somebody beyond their misery. That we see people not just where they're at, not just, not just in their problem, not just in their failures, not just in their issue, but that you believe through the power of grace, through mercy, through forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that they can go beyond where they're at, that they could live out their dreams, that God has a plan for their life too. A lot of times it takes us stooping down into situations so that we can let them know there's hope and a new beginning. I love the thought that Jesus made himself vulnerable. He went low so that he could bring us up. Willing to get messy so that he could make a difference in my life. I believe the disciples never forgot that moment. I believe it was a pivotal point in history. That moment right there forever etched in their minds. They would always understand. They would always understand why we serve. It was something that would always stay with them. Christ was willing to stand up and then to stoop down to bring them up. That's the lesson that he gives us. The example that you should do is I have done for you. He goes on, he says, now that we know these things, now that we know these things, we will have life 2.0 if we do them. You see, to have the heart to serve, we've got to be willing to stand up, to be involved, and then to stoop down because there are people all around us that need to be served, that need to be valued. There are opportunities right here within our community. There are going to be more opportunities for us to reach out to people. Remember, it's all about Christ. It's all about serving. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. That's the example he left for us. He showed that to his disciples right there. In Philippians, it says that he took on the form of a servant. 
And then after he served on the cross, after he served us through giving his life, the Bible says that he gave the name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. It's another one of those refrigerator verses, right? The name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But do you realize that comes on the tail end of the realization that he served? People's acknowledgement of him as Savior. It comes on the tail end of the understanding of his example of serving. We serve our way into life 2.0. That's why we serve. Because Christ cared for the least of these, cared for us, the people who were forgotten. That was his heart. That's the heart to serve. That's why he did what he did and what he did for us. I hope you know and I hope you understand that's what he wants to do in every person's life in this room. To do a work in our hearts and then through us to do a work in other people, the people that matter to him. The poor, the forgotten, the needy, those that nobody else wants to reach. Look, I believe that you as a people, I believe that us, CF Paris, can be that place, the people, the church, the body that will reach them. but it's an understanding of why we serve. Not a checkbox, not an understanding, not a, not a looks good on my resume, not something I can turn in, but, but, but it's a heart. It's a heart of serving. It's an understanding of, man, that's who he is, and I, and I can't help but want to emulate Christ. I can't help but want to follow his example, and that example means I'm going to serve. It means I'm going to stand up. I'm going to get out from the table. I'm, I'm going to step out into the unknown. I'm, gonna, I'm then going to stoop down into the mess, into the muck, into the mire, into people's hurts. Not because I'm greater, not because I'm better, but, but I'm actually going to lower. I'm going to humble myself to be able to lift those up. Church, I hope you get it. I hope you can say amen to that because, man, that's, that's what it's about. I truly believe that this place can be that place that will reach them. If you pray with me, Father God, I, I thank you for your heart. Lord God, we have, we, we have a heart to serve. Not so we can feel good about ourselves or, or, or because it's the end thing to do, Lord God. We, we want to have a heart after you, Lord. And, and I ask right now, God, that you would help us to be your hands and your feet, your heart, Lord God, and your words. That we would notice what needs to be noticed, Lord God. That we would hear what other people don't hear. That, that we would see what others don't see, Lord God. That, that maybe even we would reach out and we would see within our family, within our community, within the people around us, the lives, Lord God, that are hurting. Again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, there's probably people here this morning that are wondering, I, I don't know, Corey, I don't know that there's a second chance. If there's really hope for me, the things I've done or, or the things I've been a part of. Man, I'm here to tell you about a fresh start. I'm here to tell you about a God of second chances. Jesus was willing to humble himself to go to the cross so that you and I could have an opportunity, that you and I could have a new beginning. He wants to meet you wherever you're at. If you want life 2.0, it's literally just as simple as asking and believing, praying with me. Lord God, Jesus, I thank you that you stood up that you saw me in my brokenness, that you saw me in my hurt, you saw me in my time of need, and you didn't leave me there. But you did something about it. 
I thank you for life. I choose this day, Lord God, to acknowledge your life. From from this day forward, Lord God, I, I choose to follow your example. Amen. If you will, everybody stand up with me. I want to finish and close out with this prayer. God, I thank you for your example, the path of life 2.0 found through serving. I thank you, Lord God, for your people, how you humbled yourself for each and every one of us. You, you stood up, Lord God, and then you stooped down into our lives, got involved. And Lord, that's what we want to do. As followers of Christ, as Christians, Lord God, I, I pray for, for every heart every individual here today, Lord, that you would give us a heart that would, that would be enlarged to serve. Help us, Lord God, to know that it's, it's not about ourselves, but it's all about you. And more importantly, Lord God, in knowing it's all about you, we know that it's all about others. God, give us a heart to serve the cause of Christ every day of our life. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, it's about a heart to serve. That's why we serve. God bless you guys. Y'all have a wonderful week. Look for opportunities to minister, to be a part of somebody's life. As well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you, if you asked Christ in your life for the first time, don't leave here today without coming up and talking to me, letting me know about it. I'd love to pray another prayer with you just to be able to shake your hand. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week. Cannot contain